yet say goodbye with a smile, dear. Just for a while, dear, we must part. Don't let this parting upset you. I'll not forget you, sweetheart. We'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Hey, it's Ross Bain with Worldwind Public Radio. Uh, this is RPPR episode something. I don't know what number this will be, because uh, I'm not sure when this will be posted. This is the Masks of Nyarlathotep uh, post-mortem episode. Uh, because we recently finished the campaign, and uh, Sean and Anne, however, will be moving away to a far and distant land. Uh, that was Washington. Washington. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Where there's strange customs. And <laughs> I really want you to culture. check the time, because I'm pretty sure that is the longest you have ever spoken at the beginning of an episode without being interrupted. I know. it's. Yeah, it's we got weird. it out of our system before you even turned the yeah, we Also, no time. us out. Yeah, also There's no that, too. Uh, yeah, that's kind of so, tradition, though. That's um, this uh, yeah campaign took it's it pretty much has been a year since it uh, started. Uh, yeah. Shanghai Bullets was started uh, summer of last year. Uh, Twenty fourteen for anyone trying to date that. Yes, and it is now uh, uh, June thirteenth, two thousand fifteen. Oh my god, I dated this. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, massive the listeners of the future. Yes, <laughs> read you uh, since this will probably be posted in twenty sixteen. <laughs> When the neuromancers are here. It'd be early 2016. Uh, So, um, Master of Lothotep is considered one of the the classics of role-playing, the role-playing game industry. industry. Uh, And it, you know, has a very long uh, publication history. And Yes, storied. Uh, (laughs) And it has uh, been played by thousands of groups over the decades. And... Uh, I've run it once before uh, in Call of Cthulhu, but this was before I was recording games for uh, RPPR. In fact, it predates RPPR. And I wanted to run it again, uh, but this time... uh, So for my goals for it were to, one, run it in Trail of Cthulhu, uh, because I like the gumshoe system. um, And uh, two, to learn what I've... uh, And to take the lessons I learned from the first time I ran it, and from uh, other sources like uh, the Masks of Nyarlathotep Companion, which is a 600-page book about how to run this campaign. Uh, let's, let's do that yeah, right now because yeah, yeah. I'm interested. So the book is, let's see, not counting the reprints of the handouts at the back, which are also reproduced in the main body of the text. Um, the book is 207, 208 Pages long. Yeah. So there is a reference to source <laughs> material density of three to one. Yes. That's uh, well, but if something. you count the bolt-ons, it could very well be close to like four or five. Yeah, well, uh, well, but those come from the companion by and large. Uh, well, no. Well, I mean that that was the other thing. Uh, one of the lessons I learned was not to just jump into masks cold, like to have an established group ahead of time. That's something the companion also mentioned. Actually, several other and people mentioned. Um, yeah. And the so the idea was to start a prequel. You know, run some adventures, get you guys used to it as a continuous campaign. Um, and so that's when I ran Shanghai Bullets and the Dream Factory. And the Shanghai Bullets 
And Shanghai Factory probably had about another forty or Dream Factory, uh, probably another forty pages worth of material. Yeah, so yeah, each one is about twenty pages. So those two are not connected to mass. No, okay. oh no, no, not at all. Uh, the in fact, the timeline is totally different because Shanghai, Shanghai Bullets was written the for 30s, the thirties. It's trail. Uh, and Dream Factory is written takes place about a year after uh, Masks is oh, supposed no. to. Uh, which is much closer because the big reveal in uh, Dream Factory is that uh, talkies destroy or, or prove to be more effective as a movie marketing a thing than the using mythos sorcery to make your movies. Uh, <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your yeah. cast is alive at the end. Um, so sunset of the king. Yeah. <laughs> that was a talkie. Yeah, that was that was. Yeah. Uh, so my goals, uh, aside from having Trail and having the prequel, uh, was to make it my own. And because the first time I ran it, I ran Masked very, very close to the book and only with the book. Um, and this so time, so yeah. And so this one, I wanted to like make it my campaign and to make changes to it based on what I thought would be a more interesting game, and also for your own like your character goals and your character. Backstories that you develop, and uh, so I wanted to make it a more unique experience, uh, and I think that worked out. So um, that's so. Why don't we first talk about uh, bubbles <laughs> characters? Um, because uh, you guys did come up with quite a few great characters, uh, some lasting longer than others. Um, but and you're one of the veterans, one of the survivors. <laughs> yeah, you and Melissa having the only the few. It's very uh, rare that yeah, the two characters who survived the entire way through. So never die. Um, well, except for that one time. And I think part of it's died. yeah that we yeah. found out that we, we died. Just got <laughs> Yeah, your physical bodies die and you're <laughs> mentally transferred in. I'll, and I'll get into that, the Yithian angle, in a little bit. Thank you, Yithian. Um, I do appreciate that there were, like, not any out-and-out -out spoilers in yeah. the uh, web, in the online game for the yeah. Patreon backers. Yes. Because I did listen to that, and you didn't say anything about there being spoilers, and yeah. there was just enough stuff regarding them in there yeah. to be interesting without whelp. Well, yeah, I actually didn't think you would listen to it, so I, I kind of, I, I didn't explicitly, uh, and I'll get into that in a little bit, what Bill's talking about, uh, but there is a tie-in game, uh, Eclipse Phase, uh, a, a game of Eclipse Phase called The Evac, which is on the Patreon, uh, which anyone can listen to and download, but uh, first off, let's get back to Anne. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Margot and um, <laughs> Sylvie a little bit, uh, because there was quite a bit there. Um, so, there was... Um, what, yeah, first talk about like how you came up with the idea with uh, Margot and what you, what you, when you started out the campaign versus how she wound up. I mean, what, what, what was your process? Um, well, at the beginning you gave us like four types. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just kind of took the last one, which was like the armed helm and kind of the bodyguard <laughs> for Bill's character. Yeah. So like, okay, I guess I have to pump a lot into... You know, athletics and firearms. And I really had no idea what those numbers meant at the time since I'd never played this game before. Fair enough. And it actually ended up working out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, no, you were uh, kind of an Annie Oakley. Uh, yeah, because yeah, was... Margo became the, the murder machine for the group, though. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to run those prequel adventures first was to just get you guys used to the system. So if like you didn't, if something happened to your character or if you didn't like it, you could always change, you'd have time to change for the main campaign. But you, you, you started out with Margo, um, and 
she was quite effective. Um, were you any thoughts about how her ultimate fate, or uh, do you feel? I, I mean, I, I I kind of felt like that was sort of appropriate for what happened because it is sort of a darker story. But I don't know. Um, yeah, I thought it was fitting because she's you know this adventurer who travels the world <laughs> even before this. Um, and always in search of something new and exciting. Okay. Um, and you're the only one with, aside from those who are friends of Jackson Elias, uh, who had their source of stability come in the most uh, with Sylvie. <laughs> uh, and I did, uh, and I'm sorry, I, I kind of did make Sylvie sort of a comical airhead at first. <laughs> uh, but I didn't realize you had great this. Great cover. Yeah. <laughs> it was great cover, yeah. It even fooled me. Um, <laughs> So well, I didn't uh, have that story from the very, very beginning. Was that a reaction for me? Um, how I roleplayed it, or I don't know. Well, I didn't expect her to be a ditz <laughs> at all. Ross, um, but I only it's developed that story. Yeah. Uh, I think when we were on the East Coast, yeah, um, of the U.S. And I was thinking of having her be my character. It's when we were in Boston. Oh. You told me about it when we got home. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't like think from the very beginning. That <laughs> yeah, because your character was very close to death at that. Uh, Boston was pretty yeah. dangerous. Boston was pretty scary. I was like, okay, I need to start thinking here. <laughs> <laughs> going to replace Morgan. Uh, very good. So, Bill, uh, you had a few characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So as a player, it kind of takes me a bit longer to get into character. Like, I'm oh, yeah. sort of okay with just staring at a bunch of numbers to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like things to develop, but the thing is, with the potential mortality rate of, you know, Cthulhu games in general, especially pulpier ones, especially this one, uh, honestly, like, I'm having trouble even remembering my first character's name. At Simon DeWitt. Yeah, that's true. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Ross. Because he had the gangster uh, vest, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> To your frequent chagrin. No, not that much. Um, Yeah, I guess I kind of stepped into the, like, hold the gap Mm -hmm. role a lot. Like, sort of, I remember Boston being the first time it really became apparent in that while Margot and Sulan were having adventures in the basement and... (laughs) I think Sean was inveigling someone in the library because there were I was running away with a book. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> I was doing the second story job on the third story and yeah. like not that I intended for it to go this way, but like finding the actionable plot. Yeah. And huh. so like just in that there was enough other kind of breadth of characters going on, I was okay with sort of stepping into that kind of cynical competence role at least I like to think of it that way maybe yeah. it wasn't I don't know I'd there were some times I did my well. own thing and it didn't work out well yeah. but I think it did more than it didn't um, I think the best thing about that character was probably like insult distracting near Lothotep in the mountain oh the yeah Land. that was uh, um, very it was it was pretty obvious like to get sort of the at least passingly wind condition for yeah. the Kenya chapter uh Sean's second character, Patrick, yes, the reporter. Yeah, I have had to, to yeah, <laughs> had to had to do the run and gun job. But yeah. you made it pretty clear pretty quickly that someone else needed to, you know, be on distract duty for the giant three legged tongue. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Avatar. Well, yeah. well, I wasn't super into the idea of you know starting the death chain of throwing characters away at that point. Uh, it seemed well. Let's see. I guess the two deaths I had were, well, neither one were strictly deaths, and both of them were pretty significant in that he 
you know, Simon distracted Neralothotep long enough to, uh, you know, wreck the whole sun plan. And then Alan Smythe uh, spent the rest of eternity <laughs> going through the various time streams, killing Huston over and, and over, over. Yeah. and over and over and over. <laughs> I mean, as fates go for Call of Cthulhu, or Trail uh, Cthulhu characters in general, that's it's true. Pretty, yeah, I, I did have two relatively cosmic fates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not just gunned down in the street by cultists. Yeah. So hey, that. failed a climb check. Oh, yeah. sorry, no, I. Hey, I, I didn't mean that personally. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That wasn't a personal shot. That was uh, just. Uh, oh, Sean, when we get to the personal shots, you'll know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on. Uh, so we got, Melissa, you're one of the, the other veterans, uh, yep. survivors. I uh, lasted the whole time. Uh, Sulan. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I know you mentioned before something uh, talking about your expectation before and at, during after the game. Uh, like, well, I had kind of no idea what to expect just because okay. the little bit that I had played was D and D, and this was entirely different <laughs> than that. <laughs> and so I think I went into character creation thinking, what would be a character that I would be comfortable playing in a situation where I have no idea what's going on, which means that I picked almost entirely interpersonal skills um, and, you know, the general abilities were like, well, I have to spend points on some of these, so I'll just pick some, but I didn't really know how in the world that would all work out, but it ended up working much better than I expected to. Um, like, Sulan ended up being really effective in a lot well, of different situations. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sulan was, yeah, I mean, and you, you and Anne also a lot of times came up with very sensible plans uh, to right. get information without... Uh, without bloodshed. Without bloodshed. <laughs> uh, not always, no. but uh, <laughs> that was probably one of the reasons why you guys uh, survived. As, yeah, as lasted as long as we yeah. did. Um, so, uh, well, that is the cultist versus killing them. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Um, any thoughts on your character's ultimate fate? Or do you think... I thought that it was pretty fitting for her, um, just because sort of wandering off into yeah. the countryside to be alone with her animals and not have to deal with humans every day. And her day. sister, I think. Yeah, and her yeah. sister is there, too. Um, um, I don't know. I just... I feel exile like... Exile is better than uh, Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, it was a kind of chosen exile yeah. that, I don't know, was fitting for everything that she had been through. Yeah. She just needed... Green. Well, it's not like you can ever go back and check. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, that is not an option yeah. for her. Um, so, uh, Aaron, we'll get a little more to you jumping in midstream. Uh, yeah, but uh, that was certainly interesting. And your first character was actually it is an NPC in. The yeah, game. he was an NPC, which Nails I still. Nelson. Yeah, Nils Nelson, which I still feel a little bit silly that I made him into a Texan when he's actually British. Yeah. So, but Dark mercenary, killer. mercenary yeah. out. Yeah, mercenary out in Africa. It, it didn't seem that big of a leap, yeah. so for him. Uh, but yeah, I, the the hardest thing with him though, because do I still? Yeah, because he gave me nails. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing with him was that um, I was really trying to play him as somebody who was ignorant of the mythos, who he had just seen, you know, brush wars, um, border conflicts, every other. Right. Every other rainbow of human atrocity, probably, uh, but this was new to me, and it was hard, kind of ramping that up to the ultimate fate of seeing, oh, I'm standing under Nyla Hotep's legs. So, um, yeah, which is that, but I, I thought it was a good one. wearing a kilt, bloody. Yeah, so, and of course, the, the sanity loss to that point was good up to the, well, where he, it just completely initiated his fight motive, so. Right. 
which is how I'm justifying him go, just going in guns blazing to the end, which was still to the detriment because he came back and bit us all in the ass. Yeah. Um, That's not in the campaign. That was just my idea. Like, they, they, they recovered your body. See, so. I knew I knew you were going to use him in something, yeah. so I, just, I was just waiting for that other shoe to drop. Yeah. Uh, Way to be the Tom of this campaign. <laughs> Hashtag horrible. Unintentionally, monster. though. So yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't volunteer for it the first time. Um, yeah. <laughs> that being said, Said, so, yeah. a Darlington is a Darlington. Yes. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, I actually, honestly, Lydia, I did not mean to make her as foolhardy as her drug addicted brother. Well, <laughs> because uh, yeah, that and I, honestly, I thought she was actually that. Uh, ultimately, she was kind of more the background character, just providing that support. That's one of the reasons why I gave her five and. Credit rating. So, in case we can't, those issues where we came up that we credit rating money, was very useful. <laughs> it was useful, although it was maybe Solved just a drop of the bucket because everybody else wisely took it, so we didn't yeah. have to ever worry about money issues. But um, no, the only thing I, I was kind of regretful that I didn't use more was dreaming up until you know the very end when I fell into the trap and somebody just had to follow me <laughs> in. You you could have left him behind. I, you could have left me behind. But I was going to back you up because literally going into going into near days. death traps is a Darlington thing. Right. So you could have just gone by yourself. <laughs> a Darlington uh, thing in that you had played one other character with that name and decided to turn one bad decision into a trend. It's mm. called a tradition. All right. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, and your final character was kind of, you know... Uh, uh, yeah, and she was... Uh, I admit she was just kind of there, because as a cultist... Well, to be fair, um, like... And I mentioned this before in the podcast, but in the first campaign, um, the player characters started... The players made characters who were very traditional and sort of Cthulhu characters, which is, I'll make a professor, I'll make a detective, I'll make a reporter. But by the end of the campaign, like... KGB gunrunner, uh, or no, like uh, no KGB assassin, other KGB assassin, uh, gunrunner. You know, like everyone was just a murder machine. Like they, like, I, what are your skills? Shotgun left hand, shotgun right hand. Like that. That was pretty much it. Um, and so there, there was. I could begin to see that kind of evolution of characters going from like, I'll be an uh, investigator. I'll be no, just cultists where nodens kill all the things. <laughs> yes. Which uh, that would so. be funny that you that ultimately. If you look at the the evolution down uh, the or the de-evolution, if you want to say yeah. about that, is that I had a character who had no idea, who was a fighter but had no idea about the mythos, going to the support role who had a little bit of knowledge of the mythos, and then right down to the full blown <laughs> cultist. I am I am noted. Go for I the take mythos. the kills. I'm still sorry I, I stole your bow, but. Anyways, if I'm Sean from Monsignor Kildare. <laughs> Uh, down. Uh, any thoughts? <coughs> like, again, expectations beginning the game. To... Well, my favorite character was probably actually Killjoy. Yeah. Um, my least favorite was Patrick. I was trying to kill him the entire time I had him. Oh, really? Well, the thing was, is that I kind of... I wasn't expecting to die that yeah. evening, so I hadn't built up a new character already. So I had to come up with one on the fly that would reasonably be in the scenario, and Patrick was the only option because you right. had chosen to use my source of stability. Which meant, well. as the listeners have noted, I stuck with the same Irish stereotype. So I was trying to kill him from the moment I had him. So, because I wanted to just open up to this other character that I had been thinking about for a while, which was Belumco. Okay. Which is sort of a, a parodied Columbo, but then it, it didn't work out quite how I expected. 
Um, it worked well, out. It was even, frighteningly subtle. Yeah. <laughs> it, it worked out a little bit better though because Ross actually gave me an artifact. So yeah. I really enjoyed the eye. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. So that was um, one of the other things I did too. The house rules. We'll, we'll so call it fun. Uh, I wanted to give. I enjoyed it. <laughs> the thing is, in Call of Cthulhu, your characters can level up their skills as they play. Uh, so by the end of the campaign, if you survive multiple sessions, you have really high level skills and you'll be really effective. Mm. In Trail, you could give people more skill points, but that doesn't work the same. So I thought giving us. Also, never gave as many skill points as the book recommends. Yeah, two to three yeah. per session in the adventure. At the end, I was of the waiting adventure. for Bill to comment yeah. on you that. You always handed out less than half of that. Okay, so we were uh, always running on a low fuel tank. Yeah. Uh, well, that was true. Uh, I didn't want to have characters that would have you know double skill points by the end of the game because that's, so, that's part of the. the so you said. Yeah. So your criticism is that the game doesn't let the characters advance, but the in comparison to the system it was originally in, but then you kept the characters from advancing. Well, we they, you advance, and I gave you access in other ways through the Mythos artifacts and resources. Uh, right, and, uh, which spots. worked out okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I was really attached to Killjoy, but at a certain point I just accepted that he was going to die, so he went... Throwing flaming bottles and drunk off his ass yeah, the way God you, you, intended. You picked a fight with a large group of enemies. You didn't give me a choice. Like, the way my sheet was yeah. set up, there was no way I was going to survive. Because if Patrick died, I would have taken such a massive stability hit, I would have died anyway. So I might as well go down in an epic blaze of glory instead of d- letting somebody else die. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. And after that point, I became much less concerned with character survival. And we all learned an important lesson about closing the loop. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Always close the loop. And by the time we got to Sylvie yeah. being the one in danger, we had figured out how to handle a source of stability in Jeopardy. Yeah. So it was it was great. Um, but I really enjoyed the campaign. Well, you guys did kind of ignore like that Sylvie was coming in Shanghai. You're like, should we wait for her at the docks, maybe? <laughs> no. But once we, we recognized too- she was in jeopardy, the whole team oh, yeah, went yeah. to help. Whereas when Patrick was in trouble, yeah. it was me. We didn't well, know that about also it, had to do with the setup. Yeah, yeah. like the way you Ross didn't set tell it us up. about that. Yeah. yeah, and we were all previously engaged in something else. Like we it didn't was, have the it opportunity. It was too late. I well, was, everyone makes mistakes. Uh, yeah. and part of that. One of the things is about the massive marvel stuff is that there it is a uh, your your main opposition is a global spanning conspiracy of exactly. different cults, but they are not well organized. They um, and, <laughs> global is well organized. Well, they 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 have ties to each other, but they're you know evil and selfish cults, so they're not exactly you know that helpful between what they sort of help each other because they have to not because that they want to or that they care about each other and so um, you know one of the people I one of the resources I used for this campaign was Adam Scott Glancy uh, and he told me he, he he's of the opinion that any group of well organized and skilled investigators could roll up the entire conspiracy which is this campaign I think has proven that because you guys for the most part were far better organized than they were and you were uh, reasonably effective in coming up with plans and taking out local cells of opposition, uh, identifying them and you know blowing them up. We actually worked really well. As a team. Yeah, having listening listened to the uh, episode of the Unspeakable Oath since yeah. then, 
that he presents that opinion having never played or ran the game. Well, this is true. Uh, he has read it, uh, but he has not played it or run it, so that that is we, true. We could engage in an extended debate against yeah. uh, about how things play different than they read, but yeah. whatever. That's, Flesh, that's a good idea. For exercise the yeah. listener. Um, so, yeah, you... you um, so one of the things uh, uh, we should probably talk about is also from also from Adam Scott Glancy is that uh, one of the framing one of the things that's also suggested in the masculine novel of companion and is having what they call tent po- tent pole NPCs that help you or like having an idea basically a framing device to help introduce new characters into the game uh, and keep the campaign running because basically there's a lot of ways that the campaign the story can you know go off the rails and basically <laughs> fall apart um and like if you have a total party kill and then uh somewhere in a sort of a minor encounter yes mm-hmm. yeah. well uh there there are you know like if the cultists just find you or like you tell everyone that hey we're researching the death cult can you tell us anything about it uh we're staying <laughs> at this hotel yes we can let yeah. me let me show you this ceremonial knife where does it go here yeah. so. uh, because there, I've read stories about pl- groups of players who have done just that it's like hey uh, uh, Mr. Gavigan you, you know all about Egyptology can you tell us about this Egyptian death cult you look trustworthy you did but you still like wouldn't would change you didn't tell them what hotel you were staying at or you switched around yeah, hotels we, we were were exactly yeah so you made mistakes, but you didn't make utterly fatal ones. Uh, so what happened? So the idea of the temple NPCs is to provide um, something that will give the campaign a way to restart if you want to continue on, or you can just say, "Oh well, the world's doomed." Um, <laughs> And the, there are several characters in the book that can do that. For example, in Jonah Kensington, uh, a, uh, Jackson Elias' former editor, uh, could do that. Um, the uh, the uh, Erica Carlyle could do that uh, as well. Really? Yes, because she wants to make sure her brother's dead. Yeah, that, uh, that would turn dark fast. Well, that, he's not. He he's not. You don't find him until find out about him until Shanghai. I, I know, but like yeah. as a huge betrayal at the end. Yeah. So these uh, would be. Uh, so just to make sure these were just characters. That in case one or more of the party was gone and yeah. they didn't have another hook, they could, this was another easy hook to get them right another back team in. of PIs and Miskatonic. Uh, uh, well, we lost the A team. Yeah. You're the B team. Exactly. That sounds derogatory. Uh, well, we got to go with the truth here. <laughs> and um, so, in the first time I ran the campaign, I actually used uh, the serpent person in London as that framing device. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see where that would work. Well, also Tom. <laughs> yeah, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Tom was on board with that. Um, but for this time, uh, also because of ties to other RPPR campaigns and other things, uh, I decided to use the Yithians. Because the Yithians are not explicitly in this. Uh, but, oh, that was all you? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, wait, no, 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 Australia. they are. Yeah, yeah, aside from Australia, yeah. Uh, they are in Australia. Um, and uh, so I figured, oh, the Ethians would want to get sure that people would get I their comrade. Because really, yeah. It, yeah, like to only have them pop up in Australia would feel like a really abandoned hook. Like, yeah. Yeah, if you've got this time and space-faring culture that can mind-swap with people and one of their own is split into three. Yeah. In, Although know, that that the split into three is actually also from the masks companion. Uh, that is it in uh, the in the book itself. Uh, you can actually see is it only I, trapped as a single entity? It is even trapped so. as a Yithian. Uh, and well, okay, so that would be even potentially even more. Co- I, well, just no. so there is art. Uh, and that's what a Yithian. Looks yes. Like? Well, Rigos cone. That's Yithian how they're looks uh, like. Yeah. 
And to be fair, also, the I did not use the full name occupied. of... Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Ka-ka-ka-ka-ka-ka. Uh, <laughs> yes, you can try it. sounds like an Aaron Copeland right there. piece. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so Wait, I decided to use the Yithians. Uh, hell? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So dramatic readings for you, the listeners. Um, that was a framing device. I was helping to get you in and to keep things rolling. Yeah, so. that worked that really was well. Great. Like, yeah. yeah, that felt good as a fallback. Well, well, well I just realized something here. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, it, it's misspelled at least once. The primary because everyone the first one is just kakaka talk. This the second one under his picture is kaka ka 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 talk. It's a different avatar. Don't let it. Don't. Let it. <laughs> My name it's is hard cars. for your human tongues to pronounce. <laughs> Just call me Steve. Uh, so like, they, yeah. like, given the Yithians, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's just fucking with people about its name. Like, uh, so that's there, the most. So there was one time. Uh, the reason the, I bring the Yithians up is because um, one of the things that Glancy had the idea for was, uh, well, also this also tied in one of the problems with the campaign is that there are several places that are basically very hard for like. I, to see any group of player characters surviving, like there are, there's death traps that if you make the wrong decision, yeah, you're you're gonna have a bad time. And then there's the mountain of the black there's the mountain wind. of the black wind. There's also the the uh, 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 under the pyramid in Cairo can also which be similarly we avoided completely, which apparently was kind of a choice because that was where they were keeping all the plot. <laughs> they, well, <laughs> you guys got some of the plot. We got I, plot, yeah. but but like in terms of if you want to know what the fuck's going on, yeah, we got Cairo. Plot. Right, they, they, that, that, that is uh, something the players did in the first campaign I ran of it, uh, and they certainly had a better idea of what was going on <laughs> after it. Uh, but you guys are like, no, we'll go straight to Kenya. I'm like, oh, well, I okay, I cannot spoil that. There well, it is logical. Um, but so to avoid the the the, ins- the 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 TPK problem, and especially with the Man of the Black Wind, because it's you have uh, well, you could choose to have it because there's ten fucking ten thousand fucking cultists. Well, the thing is, just yeah, it. yeah. Oh, and the Avatar of Nine of the Tap, um, and the High Priestess, and uh, the you're, you're making your yeah. own case here. Well, like, the thing is, you can say in the book to say that it's not they they show up when the ceremony's not happening, so it's not as many cultists and stuff like that. But why would you well, want to yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. Well, here we are in this giant thing, obviously <laughs> constructed for a set piece, yeah. and yet there's no set piece. Exactly. Well, so um, the first time I, the players, most of them died. One of them got away, and then the serpent person said, "Here's some replacements." <laughs> Who got away? By the way, I don't even remember. I think. Maybe Tom's character. Uh, that would make sense because uh, Tom. Figure either that or Curry. Just uh, like, Tom yeah. seems to always want to be the last man standing he, at all costs. Yes, <laughs> uh, that is his. Uh, so that's why I developed the the blue thread and the Yithian um, the, the yeah save game uh, uh, sort of, yeah. which uh, two of us did not take advantage of, but uh, it was still well, cool. And one person didn't even have access to. It. No, it was a good yeah. tactical choice. Plus, I got rid of Patrick, which I was <laughs> wanting to do since. The- <laughs> Uh, but the um, and so with the using that's why I added the 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 the, the reveal was what I didn't tell you at the time was that it was obviously it was the Yithians can only send minds you know through space and time so your bodies would be you know lost and so they would just get you new bodies uh, and put your minds back in those bodies and that's why you woke up on the ship 
but your minds traveled through space and time, and so I had a game set in the far future, in an alternate future, where your minds were trapped in comatose bodies. And cultists... Entirely different game. Yes, uh, where cultists of the Yithians were trying to get you back into your right uh, timeline. Oh, I and, thought that was Omri. Yeah. Uh, well, Omri was a scientist at the end of okay. the EVAC. Yeah. Uh, she was the one in charge of it. So uh, there's an Eclipse Phase game where your characters are basically the vital, the MacGuffins that the player characters have to protect uh, as the world is ending. Uh, but it's a, it's a high-tech future, and they're all like cyborgs, uh, and it's an action game. Are, but, are you going to say the name of this game? or are you I, I said Eclipse Phase. Okay. The, the EVAC uh, is the name of the game. Uh, so it's not canically Eclipse Phase because it's not the Titans it's not Elizabeth like waking up and causing everyone to go mad uh, so that's the f- a glimpse of the future of what happens if you guys fail uh, but they reset the timeline by sending you back in time uh, so, so it's you, just the Titans in the future no, well the Nihilothotep <laughs> is the Titans yeah um, <laughs> so. no Nihilothotep you are the Titans. Yes. And you're uh, So there the is Titans. a tie-in uh, for you listeners at home, but uh, that was sort of a conceit, on my, an experiment on my part to see if I could tie in games together and have sort of side games. Uh, on that point. Yeah. yeah. Who the hell is Omri and where did she come from? Uh, that's a good Anne question. and I are not familiar with that history, yeah. so if you could fill us in just a Aubrey little bit. Omri is actually a character from a campaign that Aaron was in, uh, Sense of the Slide of Handman, which is a Call of Cthulhu campaign set mm-hmm. in the Dreamlands. And that was Caleb's character. Uh, who the originally uh, male weird uh, yeah, fiction author? Yes, yeah, it was the, the one that uh, the original Darlington traveled with. And the, yes, uh, uh, who Lydia was looking for. And uh, in this, in sense of the sleight of hand, man, uh, the characters are essentially uh, all addicted to opiates. Uh, and <laughs> they're not just opiates. Yeah. Flat out opiates. Okay, yeah, yeah um, so that explains a few things. But Don't adjust. they get in debt to a uh, Chinese um, gang leader, and <laughs> totally Chinese. Well, well, he's totally really a charging, yeah. uh, and he forces them to smoke another drug. But this drug is actually a mythos drug that sends them, uh, sends their mind, body, or sends their soul into the dreamlands, uh, because he's actually a mythos sorcerer and he's selling the souls to uh, allies in the dreamland, uh, evil creatures. In the, but they escape, okay, and so the whole campaign is about them finding their way through the dreamlands, which is this weird fantasy realm, um, and trying to get back to New York, back to their own time and place, but they can't, their bodies are already gone, so they, when they get back to Earth, they wake up in different bodies that are basically comatose people in a an insane asylum, and then uh, so Omri's character, Caleb's character, was a man but uh, he got a, he woke up in a woman's body, and so uh, he got a little crazy after that, and <laughs> They went back to New York to get revenge on the gang leader. So after that, and also during that Which campaign. Which was why the yeah. uh, Peach Blossom restaurant was all shot up when we yep. got there. That was the because, we, okay. because we went in there and took care of that yes. beforehand. So I was so. tying in that campaign as well. Um, um, and and the, well, also the reason why Caleb spoke the way he did is because he, when we went into the Dreamlands, his character was assuming that all the other PCs were figments of his imagination or represent or uh, they were representing parts of his psyche. So every so I was just running gag in sense of the side. That, that, that basically, Omri was imagining everything around him because he was just thoroughly insane. 
So and and he was already a weird fiction author. The, well, during the campaign, during the sense, uh, uh, Caleb's character also becomes the chosen of Nodens. Like he can just touch. Uh, oh, so uh, Nodens is the one that Omri's associated. With yes, the yes. Time, uh, but the, the yeah, not yeah. The Ithians are kind of like, oh, there's a first uh, weapon we could use against the. the so that's how I tied it in. So that's also part of my thing about tying all my campaigns into <laughs> one continuity because yeah, making not? the RPPR multiverse. Uh, so. I well. just love Stephen King way too much. I do. If he can have a mythos, I can have a mythos. Pretty much. Um, Pretty much. It, ours would probably make more sense than his does. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> pretty much every Stephen King that concerns itself with the Dark Tower, it makes sense. Yeah, there's a wiki have for you? it, Aaron. Yes. Uh, oh, no, I've only, I've not read the very last Dark Tower. That's the only one I'm lacking. Okay, but, but have you also read all the other books that tie in? Yes, I have, and it's still, I still look at it going, eh. well, There's a difference between it being logical and considering some right. of them. Yeah. Some of them are admittedly poor writing, but it still well, makes but that, sense. Yeah. But the, the, yeah, just Turtle. Turtle. Anyway, um, Turtle question. What yeah. happened to Omri's eyes? Uh, oh, yeah. Omri's. Yeah. <laughs> Same question. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, that is actually just conceit on my part. Uh, I just. <laughs> weird. She didn't have eyes. Yeah. She. <laughs> we got well, I wanted to have it to be where like you're seeing multiple versions of her through time. Like there, she's blind in the far future. Wait, so that. your solution was pluck her eyes out, <laughs> right. not just make her older yeah. or younger. Right. We pluck her eyes <laughs> out. To make her. Not like not like yeah, wrinkles or scars right. that you could notice. Like not a tattoo. No, we pluck her eyes out. Make her blind. <laughs> not just blind. No, we plucked her eyes out. I think what Sean is saying is there might be a bit of a women in refrigerators kind of thing going on there. Yeah, just a little bit. What? Honestly, it was a minor detail at first, but you guys really fixed on to that. Okay, no, somebody having no eyeballs is not a minor detail. That's a pretty drastic. (laughs) It was also her version of herself in the dreamlines you were seeing, so it's you know different. I don't know. It's just a stylistic. It was not a mistake. Because I think it was just a choice. I think we want to know the reason behind that. As your friends, we want to know. It's, it's, so, it's John Carpenter moment. It's supposed to look squeaky, so it looks yeah, squeaky. I, I'm yeah. proposing that as a new episode tag for yeah. both the main podcast and the AP podcast. That was a choice. <laughs> uh, that could be something in the future. Uh, <laughs> if that re- replaces mistakes were yeah. made. Uh, so yeah, so I, I yeah, I, I, I just wanted... Uh, of all something. the creepy things that happened throughout this campaign, I think that particular one and the fact that it was so insignificant in actuality was really fun. So, so basically yeah. that was the uh, that was the parrot in the box moment. Yes. Yeah. For uh, uh, yeah. For masks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had no idea that was that uh, important to you guys. I would have. I well, we just wanted answers, Ross. No. We needed to know. There has to be some sort of mystery. Uh, Why are your eyes gone? Uh, Double O. <laughs> so I guess that's one of your more memorable moments in the campaign. Uh, were there one other one of them? So what are some of the other moments uh, that really stand out in terms of uh, what you guys did, or uh, I don't know, and what what kind of moments of the campaign stand out to you? Um, I mentioned this 
but I really liked the ghouls. I'm guessing that wasn't actually written in, but how we called upon them multiple <laughs> times, especially to get into the cave. You know, when all you have is a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ghouls, um, that, that is Ever also famous. more from Sense of the Slide of Handman. The ghouls show up in there as well. Uh, in fact, the ghoul in New York, in the Peach Blossom Firestorm, <laughs> is from that campaign. And Bill made and, really good use of the ghouls. Uh, yeah. And like, once you guys like... The the whole thing is like if I give you guys like yeah sure here you could do that there's a cost like oh yeah like when you guys latch onto something like yeah yeah oh yeah I'll, 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 we're gonna you want to talk to some ghouls you could talk but to no, it, it costs like too much ghoul. stability yeah. use yeah, yeah. all the time yeah like exactly. you know occasionally yeah and yeah. also when, getting when the to go in, is really against the wall and also getting yeah. to go through the dreamlands uh, in Africa so and oh, in yeah, Kenya because we decided yeah let's definitely take that shortcut what's this pit yes <laughs> and I got to use blasting caps so true uh, yeah. actually my favorite part my favorite ghoul moment was actually the uh, the London one because that was a really good plan you guys came up with and uh, I was like well that certain person screwed uh, so uh, I was pretty I thought the farmhouse operation actually back uh, tying up the loose ends on, oh, yeah. uh, on the Dream Factory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, the Dark Young was the, uh... genuinely, like, maybe not <laughs> creepy, but you want to talk about oh crap moments. Yeah. I think I was more worried about that Dark Young than I was a than the actual manifestation of Nirlath. <laughs> well, it wasn't that right before you went hunting, so it had an extra horror significance for you. No, that was right after. Uh, yeah, that yeah. did put me time in tree stands. Yeah, so. put me in mind of yeah things about deer hunting and dark young that may or may not be forthcoming. Um, <laughs> that was actually one of the things for me was like trying to tie up as many loose ends as I could in the campaign and try and have it be as resolved as possible. Uh, and one of the things I kind of for me was like. Uh, having these t- loose ends tied up not like immediately but relatively quickly because I, I was afraid of like it would be cool to like have them show up at the end of the campaign or something like that but on the other hand I was really afraid of just forgetting about stuff like that you know so like I was like yeah like a couple sessions and we'll, we'll tie this off or something like that so that's why I had them show up relatively soon um, and I don't know if that uh, if it could have been even better if I had waited until like Kenya and then show no, up. I think because it was I really think good the way it was yeah. yeah we took so many breaks because of necessity that yeah. had you waited too long mm-hmm. Somebody would have forgotten. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, so, <laughs> nothing like the sudden, you know, unveiling of "Ha ha! I followed you here all the way from California." Who is that again? Well, you could have just shown up as one of the party goers. Quick, look the, at uh, Anne's notes. She'll have uh, something about it. Pretty much. Pretty one of the much. ceremony attendees. Uh, they could have been the... Uh, uh, I think getting their own like yeah. session where we... That's true. They deserve it. I pretty mean, much killed the F out of them. Yeah. <laughs> was, was a much much more deserving ending. Uh, Melissa, any other... Well, you, you already mentioned the ghouls, I guess. Or were there any no, others? That was no, no, that Anne mentioned the ghouls. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, no, blending you, you, the two females in the room, Rob. Jeez. <laughs> uh, what was so? What were some of your favorite uh, or memorable moments in the giveaway? I there there were a couple. The one being in Australia with the ghost dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. know it was sort of a. It wasn't exactly a primary moment of yeah. the story, but I still enjoyed it just for the visuals. I think all of my favorite moments were when 
I thought, oh, that would make a really cool scene in a movie. <laughs> that one and uh, with the gigantic chameleon that like grew. Oh, oh grew. yes. Like, oh, that particular scene. She who's not who is she. I love yes. chameleon. Yeah, and those like, are, she, yeah. I really enjoyed that that whole thing. The fact that we had her and we didn't know what she was for. Yeah. <laughs> and, like we're just taking care of her. We pretty much used her exactly her, for yeah. what she was for. And like somehow we figured that out. I don't even remember or maybe we didn't figure it out, but we just happened upon it that this yeah. is what we needed to do right now and that it worked out splendidly. Yeah, I didn't know when you guys were going to release uh, or if you are going to release her at all. Yeah. Um, and those are both, and that and the Ghost Dogs are actually both in the campaign as written. So, like, uh, I did not add, those are not additions, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Um, and there's a whole section in the Mask Companion about, like, dealing with who is not what she seems and... Uh, <laughs> So the, your players have acquired a giant chameleon. Yes. <laughs> um, we don't even and know And the, the, you actually use it pretty much in the best way possible, which was mm-hmm. to get rid of a group of cultists. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she is statted out in the book, and um, she is kind of a badass, but she's not like kill a god badass. So, right. Um, bulldoze a convention of cultists. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to use her against... small ten. convention. Yeah. But uh, Basically let us one. get in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the ghost dog, yeah, they're just in there. It's like, yeah, the guy's in the... Like, hooked up to the dreamlands he's just there so it's yet another parrot in a box moment uh, parrot yeah apparently but he's not hostile he's just like yeah oh, got the magical dingoes that's, yeah, I just that's, that that's what I do um, uh, Aaron any... um, well going back to what you said you added I did like the idea of splitting the uh, hmm. the Athena and, and Australia up into three sections okay, yeah. so yep. that, that was a cool idea especially since uh, one they needed to control it and only or needed to Essentially, partition parts of it off that would only be useful to it, which is why I like like the cal. It's like the engineering core, the mm-hmm. emotional core, and then the lo- the other logical core for well, it. So. Uh, and the really great thing about that is like it keeps you like you have all the mental benefits of a Yithian without the physical benefits of a 12-foot-tall cone thing with pincers for arms. And also, yeah. well, it mitigated sand loss for us as well from just staring at that thing. Yeah. Um, I think you'd get hardened to the non-hostile. Well, it'd be one check. But also, it did provide other challenges because of how we had to get um, the child, uh, the elderly woman, and then the man. Uh, yeah. Which, find, yeah, going across that barrier and trying to figure that out, which we did get through it, but... With it, casualties. Casualties and... <laughs> choices were made. Choices, choices were made. But we got lightning um, guns. No, I We got lightning guns, but some of us felt the touch of Nyla Hotep in yeah. a bad way. <laughs> so, um, But other than that, no, that was a really good idea, which I liked overall. Yeah, that, was a, that, that, that um, came from the Companion. And, uh, and the nuclear ship, I did not realize that was something that was in... Uh, you, you said that oh, yeah. was in the book. Oh, right? yeah, the Dark Mistress. It's in the, the Shanghai Dark Dark yeah. like they have. There's a radioactive chlorine rock that used to generate steam to move it, and like, oh, okay. That was also one of my favorite scenes, but I think yeah. that's just because Margo and I... Got Man, so you stole one of my favorites. I'm sorry. Well, you, you weren't in that part. I'm talking I know, about the part where she and I were. <laughs> and I think the reason, in like, the room, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, suddenly I, I locked the door. What? <laughs> so I think you liked that because, it, like, you guys played that really well. I think Sean and I liked it because the idea of you guys inveigling an Innsmouth dude, yeah. you know, no. with all the psychosexual subtext of that, being like being female Adam and yeah. like Ross played it off really well as wait, girls are actually talking to me. I what? don't know what to do with yeah. this. Well and that was, and was that Dagon's blessing? What? Like no offense, but my favorite moments were actually the character driven moment, yeah. the player driven ones like that. Yeah. Like that one. 
forcing you to play along. And normally you played along splendidly, yeah. and sometimes it was just annoying the hell out of you because we were rolling <laughs> way better than you wanted us to. So like Killjoy's death scene I loved because I took down so many cultists with me. And then the cone snail. I loved because you did oh, not expect me to see <laughs> Jesus Christ. Somebody out there, come up with Coney's Island. Please, okay, do a tie-in. Well, uh, I will pay you as much as Sean will to not do that. <laughs> I do but my absolute favorite was Margo and Sulan against the the Innsmouth guy. Because that was fantastic. Yeah, that, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was the best role playing that I think we saw in the entire campaign. Both from them well, and was, from you. It was one of the few times that like the fact that I was, you know, pretty much a hooker, like that actually finally made sense. Well, like it, it works. Like a little and bit. normally when we do role play games it's the silent kill everybody and then just stand back like right. a badass. But like she jumped into the element and just started role playing like crazy and I'm you like forgot I'm a girl watch this wow this is awesome yeah. and then Ross played along beautifully yeah. too because he's like and afterwards he said you know what it actually makes sense that the ends myth yeah would, it's perfect yeah. and so yeah. Ross just let it go the cone snail though that was just me okay what was the issue with that was, what geez. was your obsession with the cone snail I just wanted to yeah. see if I yeah. could do it and I could that all this was okay because I didn't ask the role play. I don't want to hold my beer, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, like, if there's one thing overall that kind of did bum me out about the whole thing, like, I can totally get the... From having played through it, like, I understand why Masks is considered one of the greatest published adventures there is. But at the end of the day, it's still a published adventure. Right. And, like, there's only so much room for those kind of moments. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> The downfall of published adventures is like those are actually the greatest parts of role playing are the Player really driven. character driven, yeah, mm. and and so it doesn't make a lot of room for that, you know. It, well, I mean, without mass, yeah. without horrendous amounts of work on the GM's part, right. and you know, Ross, you're great, but you're human. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, think about mass. The reason why it's considered so great is because of its uh, structure and the yeah. plot and the fact that everything is. Connected. Every it's mm-hmm. not like I mean, especially historically, like campaigns up to then were like yeah. very linear. Like go to point A, it, like do a thing, do a thing, do a thing, you're done. And this is like, <clears throat> it, well, here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. You can approach this problem at any kind of angle you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and here's how these guys will react. And it's it's a living thing, right? You know, once it starts, yeah. Like uh, it's structured. Yeah, I, I get that as a non like as a dynamic sandbox, mm-hmm. not, not just something that can be approached from any angle, but also something that lives and responds right. to that. Yeah, it's huge. But like at the end of the day, to be honest, I would still rather play anything you wrote yourself. Well, but I think that's what made masks workable is because like, and this is going to sound like kissing Ross's butt, <laughs> but like. I just did. So. No, the sandbox. <laughs> Line up. Yes, masks is a sandbox, and it can work really well that way. But only if you have a good GM. True. If you have a horrible GM, it just becomes a sandbox that's essentially you're a Legend of Zelda There's game no where you're just running around the village yeah. with chicken the entire time. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good GM, though. Even though I did occasionally get frustrated with some of the boltons, I still really enjoyed the entire campaign, and I yeah. don't think that would have happened if we didn't have a good jam. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, yeah, there, 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 and there are a lot of things. I mean, that, that's the things I, I, my goal, my overall goal was to make it my masks at night mm-hmm. with the tub, and I think I, I hope I accomplished that because I think you uh, did. yeah, you did uh, by adding the elements, tying it into the larger RPPR mythos, whatever that is, and um, also picking and choosing what I wanted from. It. I mean, there were certain things I left out, and there were certain things I added in. Like I had like the whole werewolf thing, which I'm glad you guys you know indulged me in that was because I wanted to redeem that part because it's the stupidest fucking part of the campaign. <laughs> is that actually in the book? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because that was but my the, least favorite part. Because the werewolf thing, however, as written, has is a red herring scenario. It's like an entire thing. There's yeah, a literal, that's the way it feels when you yeah. start yeah. down that road. Yeah, and then but at, this is actually from Adam Scott Glancy who says, like, "Oh well, why not have the Vane family be connected to the Carlisle family?" So Carlisle visit the Vane family. Ryu gets you know jealous of the girl. She curses him with you know mythos sorcery. There you go. And then you that I'm glad you guys went to Kenya next so we could tie it off uh, with uh, Madara. Well, you know. I think that helps. But the problem with the whole werewolf scene is that. Like the tone of that and the feel of that story, it's mm-hmm. like, wait a second, this does not match at all. Yeah, like, where are we right now? Yeah, Wuthering yeah. Heights. Cosmic like, I don't horror and yeah. suddenly moors. Yeah, there are actually <laughs> at least two other red herring scenarios in that book that I entirely left out. Ooh. There's one in Kenya. Uh, there's one in Kenya where you go to a hunting lodge and there's like ghouls there, uh, but they're like children ghouls, and you just have to go deal with them. But we could have actually probably done that one really well because well, we've got the hits the history yeah. with the ghouls yeah yeah, uh, like one, creepy child ghouls. Yeah. I can't. Well, I different different of when you say child like, ghouls, are you talking about like adults who are in? No, their... they're children who are ghouls. Oh, okay. So there's art of them. Uh, so she has a dolly. yeah. Tell me that in your other run through they did that, and nope. Tom was. I skipped it both oh. times because I'm like, no, this is stupid. Really? You yeah. had Tom right there in front of you, and you skipped children. <laughs> yeah, children? Not, it's not all about Tom. <laughs> It's not all for him. Like, I'm sending you have some hostility here towards Tom. I feel like if we ask him, he might have a different opinion. Yeah. Um, he, uh, but anyway, uh, this is about this group campaign, not that campaign. Um, and the other one that I can remember is in Shanghai, where you actually, it's about like actual Chinese myth, folklore, about like uh, demons and oh. demon cats. Uh, and, yeah, and again, it's like, in the my main problem with that one is sort of like what I had with the werewolf, because it's like traditional mythology it's not Cthulhu uh, mythos at all and that's like it's one thing to have gothic horror with like vampires and werewolves another thing to have Cthulhu but mixing them up you know like the whole point of cosmic horror is that we're it's we're not the center of the universe we're just you know beset upon by aliens that are far we're, we're and gothic small fish. horror is superhumanist yeah exactly it's about you know God cursing people and stuff like that so they're kind <laughs> of feels yeah so much about feels yeah and, and so they're well they're basically two different forms of realizing that you don't have control right. one is lack of emotional and physical control over your own body the other is lack of control over Full the stop. fate of the universe yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah but with werewolves and vampires and all that it's not really fate of the universe kind of stuff right it's like fate no, of the individual it's egocentric yeah, yeah. yeah and that's and whereas the other one is it, the loss of man. egocentrism completely mm-hmm. and compared yeah. in the scenario when you uh, yeah one you have one werewolf who's yeah. stalking the countryside versus standing in between Nairohotep's right. legs magnitude. on a mountain yeah, yeah you feels... there's a sense of scale here that's yeah. 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 no idea like, he's Jewish <laughs> Wow. <laughs> not okay. I am not. I, okay, I'm going to say this now. I have, I have held back on any of those jokes because 
Why? Uh, I'm looking up Nyla Hotep's skirt because it could just be regarded as a funny thing, but I'm trying to stay classy. You had to take that road. It was you. We've already taken that road several times but during not, this campaign. But not at least this Bill and I have. I don't know what you were doing. Irving Bear, staying classy. Uh, so. I looked up there, the only thing I could think was Steve Buscemi. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, so I see your point, and I just felt the two kind of genres of horror were mutually exclusive. Yeah, they're so. not a great match. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that's why I excised the other. Right. I kept waiting yeah, for yeah, the like, Panther Yeah, like I would really like to play werewolf <laughs> game, like yeah. completely separate yeah. from. I think that'd be fun, but but yeah. not werewolf yeah. the game. No, no. no. yeah. Sorry, uh, White Wolf, we abandoned you long ago, so it's well, Onyx Why are you apologizing? Yeah, White Wolf they no longer exists. Onyx Path. good ideas, but. Or we just play werewolf, where it's like, oh, are you a werewolf? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even your coffee, copy of Werewolf is Do You Worship Cthulhu? Okay, well, all right. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's why, and I certainly, like, as we, you know, time issues became more pressing, I started cutting out other uh, side ventures. Sorry. Well, no, it obviously has nothing to do. There are people who take their time, and certainly this could have been. Uh, uh, I know one criticism we got, uh, or at least in the early episode, was that you know I was giving you guys too much information through NPCs. Or NPCs were too talkative. But uh, for me, my my thing was that I would rather you guys have all the information you need to make your own plans and make your own decisions. Rather, and certainly, if you get to the NPC and get them talking, you, you I think you deserve it. And two, um, you know, there's time. the there's <laughs> the time and time and logistics like time between sessions right. and just yeah limited well, focus. And, and things- Sorry. Though for first time folks playing a system like this, like Ann and I, and I don't. Melissa. Yeah. So oh, three and Melissa out of too. four. I don't think we would have had the patience to put up with the not getting anything out of an entire four hour session. Yeah. yeah. Like which well, could that, get, no, that could conceivably well, happen though. But, if, I know, well, but, but it I is theoretical. Well, Charles Chaplin, that's certainly possible. Yeah. I think too right. that that's a balance though, because if if you get too much information too quickly, then you feel like oh, I just walked up to the thing and it told me I didn't have to do anything right. to get it. And Ross navigated that pretty well. Yeah. So whereas yeah, like, if you got to the point where he was talking to you, but it was never, I, I don't think I right. made it that simple because yeah. you had to figure out who to talk to, and mm-hmm. then were you actually going to talk to what are you going to tell them like you know well and I think especially early on where yeah. I I certainly didn't I don't think all of us understood sort of the scope of how big this yeah. thing was it's yeah. like wait a second I, I want to play with this story <laughs> and hang out right here wait a second we have to go to six yeah. more places <laughs> even though what's going on well, and, and, and like yeah. To cut you all possible breaks, Ross, like, we were aware of the potential time restrictions pretty early, and I think you managed that really well, but, you know, like I told you after we wrapped the last session, I easily would have played this game for another six months, and I think, you know... Could have. Like, not, not six right additional now. months, but, like, stretch it out and let that go. Like, I don't think it was ever rushed. Yeah. I think it was as fast as it could be without being rushed. Like, yeah. you did a really great job... Of working in the constraints you had, more love for Ross, yay! <laughs> and also, yes. and, and also, yes. choice of system wise, um, taking it out of call and putting it into trail. I also thought was a good idea. One because with the point spends, you could just get the information that you needed immediately yep. without the possibility of botched, ro- uh, potentially botched roles denying a, this critical information. Which, coming from experience of having to do a, a test play of a new scenario, that. <laughs> That was just a run around. <laughs> I'm just gonna cut it open anyway. 
I know you're amused at Melissa being my mom. <laughs> that's I was trying to avoid crinkling. So yes. That's a good that's, that's, See, she was, was yeah. etiquette to the podcast. I know, yeah. she's trying to be there. She tried to be Did polite. we learn nothing from April Fools? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nobody cares. You know, I, I've actually, sorry. I've actually been thinking about that a lot, and yeah, I, I think it's a, it was a lot of fun in Trail, but like the one thing I will say, even on the pulp end of Trail, I think this is still a pulpier game than that. Like if I if I look at like having read through and kind of preparing to play with the Dracula dossier coming, preparing to play Knights Black Agents, I think this would actually do better in a '30s theme Knights Black Agents because it is so pulpy, and they're like. It's not actually, like, the superstructure is a mystery, but the substructure, scene to scene, is thriller. Like, you get information, information gets you in trouble. Repeat ad nauseum. Like, and given that the, you know, main villain's name is pretty much in the title, I think it fulfills the other, like, you know, sort of uh, description of a thriller in that a thriller is a mystery where the audience knows who did it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing in the original Call of Cthulhu is that your characters are very fragile. Yeah. Uh, they can, a single fight with a normal person can end them. Uh, if they roll, you know, if the, the bad guy rolls a one on their attack roll, you or know. a dog. Yeah, or a dog, or a <laughs> horse, or a shark. Yeah. Well, okay, the shark's more obvious. Than, let's be honest right here. Not to completely I, it is perfectly reasonable that a shark should be able to kill a human. No, that is reasonable. On there. The shark was completely anyway, reasonable. Yeah. The dog was just bizarre. <laughs> the dog but about the shark, it it's also been tested out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway. Dogs can kill people. I uh, love dogs, but they can kill people. Yeah. They can, but just anyway. Pretty uh, too. So one of the reasons why I wanted to use trails is so you guys would have a little more narrative control. So would so your deaths would still happen. Uh, <laughs> but we could but it would be choose the but way it wouldn't it. you wouldn't go out because you failed a, uh you know, a single percentile yeah, uh, yeah a so. single role, you know, something like that. Uh but I don't know, what do you what what do you think about the system, especially now that you've played enough? Like Anne, um do you feel like your character like for me sometimes I thought maybe your characters were too durable or too like uh you know like there's certain <laughs> prove that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh only yes. female. Yeah. Oh, what? only for female. Yeah, well, the two female <laughs> characters did survive yeah. a lot longer. I guess than... I liked that because I like the more action-y doing things than the, like, interviewing, talking to people and getting clues. <laughs> I like to just, like, go in and, like, like when we did our um, warehouse... Oh, the amb- oh the, yeah. are you talking about the ambush and uh, yeah. uh, where so, you lured the guys in to kill yeah, them? Yeah, I like right. doing... Yeah. The more yeah action sequences. Okay. So I liked being able to have, you know, a lot of points in doing those type of things okay. and not having to worry about dying. When so yeah. Yeah. Uh, because a single, you could always guarantee that your single role would actually work uh, at least once for yeah. your session. Like, uh, but that could be critical and certainly group stealth checks. I think made a though, huge so. difference. Uh, yeah, the yeah. group stealth you checks. Were, yeah. Outstandingly generous with that because that's not the way group checks work uh, at all. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I felt like it would just again. Um, it's one thing to at least get into position as opposed to. Uh, I mean, the thing is, if I wanted you guys to make it really hard for you to get caught, I could set really high DCs, and yeah. like sooner or later, you're going to have you're going to run out of those points, right? 
Um, and I'm actually, I think I got the rules from fear itself. Uh, at least that's what I, I learned them from. So that's what I was using. They had very simple rules with that. So I actually uh, liked the heat component. Which oh yeah. Later. I know uh, that's that, from nice black agent, but I actually like that better. Yeah. And working with that than like the constant stealth, whereas the, there is a constant, like the heat has the buildup. Everything you do adds into and causes an effect against it later. Whereas with stealth, as soon as it regenerates, it doesn't really have a consequence anymore. Yeah. So I, I did like that. Okay. Yeah, definitely next time I do a city-based game. It uh, makes me really wish sure. that we were going to be in town for the Dracula dossier with Knights, Blacks, Agents. But. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Well, uh, save up your pennies, pick it up yourself, and run it in Washington. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. One of the other things. Uh, one thing we talked about were group dynamics. You guys mentioned that you wanted to talk because you guys were. There's a lot of pairing up and splitting up and stuff like that. Like yeah. uh, so my favorite example, of course, was uh, Margo and Sulan going in the basement, uh, <laughs> the Boston lessons. Lodge. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, we've talked about that a lot, and that that took a lot of effort because for any listeners who don't know, Sean and Anne are married. So are Melissa and I. So until Aaron was around, like we actively had to work against Wait, just no, separating and like, yeah, we found ourselves doing it by accident. Yeah. Like I don't think it was accidental. I think we just took the Emily Post system and just ran with it. Well, okay, not accidental, but like unintentional. Like it just weird felt natural, so we did it mm-hmm. until we realized we were doing it, and then well, Boston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Which we did survive. Yeah, we did. Largely, we stuck together, though. You did have Jason. There's no major Scooby Doo splitting up. So, always had somebody. I always, always kind of joined splitting up with Sulan, especially later because. We were in it from the very beginning, mm-hmm. right? So I felt like it made the most sense. Like yeah. we are pretty well yeah. bonded. Yeah, at you're point. you're the survivors yeah. of you're the soldier survivors. I'm not so sure about and this. And I feel like well, and I feel like there were lots of situations where if I wanted to make sure that nothing catastrophic was going to happen or that someone wouldn't shoot someone when I didn't want them yeah. to, I would go with Margot and we both get it taken care of without any major problems. Again, Margot, I shot a lot of people. No, but but, but here's the thing: like there is a particular dynamic if you have two girls going into a scene, it's automatically way different than if you bring a dude. Like, there's just things that you can get away with as two girls that you cannot get away with if there's a guy in the scene. And I think that, yeah. Also, and Margo was the ultimate bullet shield, too. Right. So if right. anybody was coming at you. Bullet shield, bullet wielder, bullet everything. Bullet everything yeah. The avatar of the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Margo Being and I just bullet. accidentally made a really good team. And plus, yeah. at some point, it's like, we have been through so much, we don't even have to communicate. We just, you know. That's a good <laughs> there, Yeah, there's a link. They're pulling another Mombasa. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> we didn't realize, you know, Yiffy and brain swapping, that might have something to do with it. But. That's true. Good point. Good point. Hot Yiffy and brain swapping. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, along those lines, too, that, like, in as much as running it with the four of us as players like I gotta hand it to Aaron to for really doing a good job for stepping into like what could conceivably be a difficult situation to be part of the group in that A two married couples B who have already been playing this game together for six months did a great job and yep. like beyond that as much as the four of us playing was fun the five of us just you know escalated yeah well I really like, like I was starting to like the game was good the whole way through. Like, yeah. don't take this as an insult. But I was starting to get a little tired a little bit because campaigns, they go long, you have ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. 
Aaron coming in created a huge new dynamic, and so it was like this big pump of adrenaline of crazy that just reinvigorated the game. He's right here. Yeah, I know. But like, I wasn't. I didn't Sean, have to play the, the crazy. Thing is Sean thinks that's a compliment. Yeah. Well, no, no, I know. The thought process is, oh wow, somebody else is gonna dial as much as I do. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, so my thing, like, the thing was, the reason why I wanted, uh, I, I, I kind of planned it out from the beginning to have just uh, you four. Uh, I know Aaron was probably available for the most part, but the reason I wanted to start, because you four were all new to Brand the system new. and new to this campaign, and I wanted you to get used to the whole idea of, you know, working in Gumshoe and figuring out this investigation before introducing any new players. Um, and I certainly didn't want, like, so... Uh, Aaron is an old hand at you know Trail and Cthulhu games, and he I didn't want. It's kind of like you know in a video game where you have like or like a multiplayer game where there's like the max level guy. And he's like, oh yeah, you need to do this. Oh, we'll do this. Go here. Go here. Well, and Aaron yeah. does have an investigative style that is all his own. True. Well, well, well yeah. and, and to be honest, when it comes to character develop uh, character generation. Um, I don't try to pull a David of min-maxing yeah. a lot of things. I Because I, when I'm pulling Darlington into this, well, uh, after Nails, because Nails yeah. honestly was kind of cat and fodder, and I, I treated him as such. Um, but when I brought... And that's why he came back. <laughs> you feel you're taking him for granted. Because... If we're going to continue on, and if we're going to continue on the Stephen King thread, sometimes they come back again. Mm -hmm. Um, But Nails had the elephant gun, so he did have the elephant gun. But no, Lydia. um, Other than just the Darlington connection and with the joke, excuse me. Okay, I think I'm good now. (laughs) Um, uh, I was really wanting to make her kind of uh, just the side tech character who did who. Just kind of had dreaming, mainly because of that odd connection, not only to the lamplighters that her giving that, but also because of her brother as well. And yeah, her ending was sad, but that's kind of a whole Darlington <laughs> tradition at this point. Um, but no, I, I was kind of making, I kind of made her to be the back support to you guys, so in case something should come up, because most of her skills um, were social ones. But, yeah. So you know about the plot and everything. Do you feel like you understood everything that happened, or like were there any major confusion or questions that came up? Um, not that I can think of really, okay. because uh, again. You're right, talking at least old hat and playing Cthulhu. Um, yeah. I could kind of see the bends around, kind of like Bill, too. Because yeah. we were just seeing the tricks up, but most of it was just keeping my mouth shut so I didn't <laughs> ruin anything because I'm sitting around like, oh, yep, see, that's a that's an intimate, that's a that's a frog man, right? Or fish man right there. Damn it, I can't well, say anything. That was kind of a problem for me because even though I haven't played Cthulhu, I've read all of Lovecraft's stuff. Except, okay. for, except for Dreamland stuff. I haven't read yeah. that. So that was completely new, but everything else I'm like, Okay, Yithians, okay, fish people, yeah. deep ones, we've got it, but I can't necessarily say anything. I can just give a knowing look to Bill, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as someone who's only read one thing by Lovecraft, I was really confused with the grand scheme of things. Like, I felt like I needed a graphic of, like, how right. all of these creatures fit into So even yeah. reading the Lovecraft <laughs> wouldn't have helped with that, because, no. like... What this is is it's based much on multiple stories. Than, yeah, yeah. Um, it is. Yeah, and it's like here, there's um, several. In order to explain the plot uh, of what happens, like there is a like fifteen page section or ten page section explaining you know the summary of events, what the Carlisle expedition was. Uh, see, here's the triangle, uh, Grey Dragon Island. 
City of the Great Race, Mountain of the Black Wind. This is what I mentioned several mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Carlisle, there's a timeline uh, of events, location, lo- concerning the plot. So there's like multiple pages just to explain the Game Master in very simple, direct terms, like what the bad guys are doing. Mm-hmm. And so it takes several pages just for you to, you know, the spoilers are several pages long. Yeah. And so uh, if you want to, if there are any questions, you can look right here. Um, but yeah. That does kind of point to one of the other things that I wasn't super in love with is it was kind of a Mythos Monster Mash. Not that there's anything yeah. you could have done about like, but like, I kind of like it as just a little bit of leavening or seasoning, yeah. you know, in something. But well, the thing is, is an entire campaign you can't have just like one type of monster or like one monster and then cultists the entire time. You need some variety. I think if it's a campaign, like if it, unless it was just people, like yeah, you could have a campaign where all the bad guys were human. But if you, you know, or one monster. But if you're gonna, yeah. if you, it's either zero, one, or sure, many, yeah. you know, yeah, well, and I. Oh, go ahead. Go and ahead. it wasn't horrendous, but yeah. like it oh. was just a thing that occurred to me at points. Yeah. Um, but that's actually uh, kind of a, as a counter, that's one of the things I kind of did like about it is that... Um, Teach their own. Well, yeah, well, in one, that you had all of the disparate factions sitting here, even though they had something of a common goal that they wanted to bring to crawling chaos, it was all for their own purposes and their own mindset, each thinking that once Narlhotep showed up, they would be the favored one, which in reality, it would look down and say... Thanks, I eat you all equally. <laughs> so, but it, it that kind of brought up other competition, which depending on how the investigators go, that and well, how we kind of did, we could set other factions against each other for our mm-hmm. own causes, which is a lot. It provides more. That, it provides more opportunities than just everybody being completely united on the front. And yeah. I don't think it would have made as much sense too, especially since we're looking at nineteen twenties, thirties, where communication was not as ubiquitous as it is today. Well, you so, still have wireless and telegrams. Yeah. true, but most. Yeah. But also, you have telegram. some of these cultist, uh, cultist, or they literally have magic. They can literally just yeah. open a gate to the other side of the world. They so. can do that too, but also using that is yeah. draining their sanity as well. well so. They're all zeros. Creating, yeah. <laughs> whatever they're, they're getting it for free at that yeah, point. Yeah, 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 but yeah. still, they're they're crazy yeah. enough where they're probably not going to work too well with each no, other, other than just being at the negotiation table. Uh, so this is. So that was another idea I got mostly from the companion, but also from Glancy, is that they they're 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 bad guys. They you know they kill people, they commit human sacrifice, they do a lot of really bad things, and so um, they're certainly. Uh, killing each other for the sake of, uh, you know, promotion is not beyond them. Uh, and so uh, that was the thing you guys, I think, did best in London, but the idea of, like, setting them against each other. There were and, also two really clearly defined sub-factions of the faction. Yeah, that, like, which is not really... a pretty obvious idea. Yeah, it was not really... But that's not really, really expanded upon in the book that you have these two cult leaders, but it doesn't really mention that what they think about each other or anything like that. But it's pretty... Pretty easy well, I, to read between the lines. Right, and I think, like, in a metagame sense, especially having Sean in our pocket there, like, oh, really? Relations between, you know, yeah, yeah people from the Commonwealth and... <laughs> yeah. It's pretty easy. And Egyptians yeah. in the 20s. Huh. <laughs> well, and for the most part, the book did okay with the history, except in Kenya. That's my one gripe where it really falls short. But, but was it accurate to 80 scholarship? I think yeah. that's the... The thing that's worth questioning whether whether that river can be stepped in. It's accurate yeah. for the '80s if all you've read is the early '70s scholarship on Kenya. 
So considering they were writing for the gaming market, yes, probably pretty reasonable. Yeah, but not saying it. Not not trying no, no. to write up like, an excuse here. Just if they if they do a new edition, that's the one section that I, I think, would suggest I, they take another. Well, look the at. companion talks a lot about that too. Uh, they, like the chapters are pretty lengthy and in going over historical, and they have good bibliographies uh, about what, what what's available there um, and pointing out some of the anachronisms uh, within the, this book. I don't think this will ever be rewritten. Uh, Especially considering one of the authors is no longer with is, us. Yes, there's that. Um, so, I mean, it was originally written in 83. Um, so... Uh, this book is old or 84, yeah. Uh, so... The history of historical scholarship. Where's yeah. the inception noise when I need it? It's called historiography. Um, oh, yeah, but... Entire courses on it. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> yep. Yo, dog, I heard you liked history. So, if you were... But why don't we explore that a little more? Like, if you were rewriting or if you were revising, or if you were going to run this for your own, for another group some, in the future, what would you do? Like, and broadly, like, what kind of things would you do? So, like, and if you were running it for uh, some of your friends, uh, or uh, what... How? What kind of things would you would you emphasize more? Just kick the door and shoot everyone, <laughs> uh, or more interpersonal, like talking to guys? Would you leave every chapter in, or I don't know? Any thoughts on that? Or mm, not really. You start with me. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm just going left to right. It's my. It's my uh, we'll, we'll come back to you, uh, Bill. What about you? Um, I would probably steal the overall idea of the structure and then yeah. run something else entirely. Because oh, okay. uh, like road trip, maybe. I still don't you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, like structurally, like this has informed a lot of like ways I want to try to approach the Armitage files yeah. and stuff. But like, I don't actually. That goes again to why I say like a '30s serial numbers Knights Black Agents might play this better. Mm-hmm. Because I don't actually know how much I like Trail, and I'm sure Call is even worse as like a globe trotting game. Mm-hmm. Like I think the constant shifting mm-hmm. of the locale actually kind of takes something away from it. Like because, especially, yeah, I mean, yeah, looking, the sources of stability yeah, and stuff like that. Exactly, a lot yeah. of that, and too, the more I thought about it, uh, the more and the more I kind of like. I've been on, you know, a Lovecraft kick the past couple of years, like listening to the HP Lovecraft literary podcast and all that, and listening to them talk about the, like, the research on Lovecraft, especially in his letters and stuff, the degree to which, like, his fiction was the fiction of a place. Yeah. And, like, how with a lot of his correspondence, he, you know, talked about that with Derleth about, like, don't don't write New England stuff. I'm from New England. You're from Wisconsin. You write good Wisconsin stuff. Like, I think it's, you know, obviously, structurally, this is great, but the thing the globetrotting kind of takes away from it is really getting kind of that, I'm probably, this is not the right word, but for some reason my brain wants to say maison scene. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of the feel of this is right. a you know story of a place right and that yeah this is definitely not a story of a place it's a story of yeah it's yeah. it's um and call of Cthulhu is the, by itself very much right in arkham county or arkham yeah. country yeah 
So, um, so I mean, Lovecraft I guess it's country. kind of a cop out to say yeah. uh, this is really great, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but this is really great, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> All right, Melissa, would you would you try it? Uh, if so, I probably would. Except I would do what I usually do, which would be make a lot of the things much more visual. Okay, because I think that this there are a lot of handouts in this campaign. Yeah, but. I think the thing that I struggled with because there's so many little bits of information mm-hmm. and there and you go for so long without having a place to put those little mm-hmm. bits of information um having some kind of way to organize them or make it tangible yeah. uh, would have been helpful to me. So if I was going to run it, I would probably look for ways to do that. Okay. Um, not yes. just here have a thing that says this random bit of information, but here's a place to put it so that when it becomes relevant, you're going to see the connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a really good idea. I mean, like, there is a ton. There are, uh, I think, about 50 handouts, yeah. uh, something like that. Uh, 44. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, 44. Uh, like, I would probably find a giant world map Yeah. And put tiny things on it. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that done before, I think. Um, and that would really help, and certainly having some way to figure out, like, uh, certainly photos of all the Carlisle Expedition. Right. Put a way to put all your, like, a file for each one or something like that. Right. Um, and you could even do, like, uh, actually with Nice Black Age, you have Conspiramid. Uh, yeah. Uh, what conspiracy is a made up where the conspiracy pyramid where you figure out the org chart basically of the conspiracy who's the leader right. who's this cell who's this cell what are they doing in relation to each other I mean uh, it's funny that there's not really a lot of tiers to yeah. the uh, conspiracy yeah they're all the, sort of yeah a lot of the depth go yeah it's really <laughs> yeah. yeah there's not even really an overarching one they're all on the same level yeah. almost so I mean it would be more of a web but yeah it anyway. would be a web but yeah uh, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, Aaron. That would be helpful. Um, and again, I can't say as much just because I only have like a half experience from right. everything else that was flowing here. But if I were to run this, honestly, I would take, if I would see about the characters almost trying to do a, a more pulp action archaeologist act, act of it just because well ma- with, all the way <laughs> well do that but also since it's 30s too and yes it, it would be such an inspiration just to do let's just go for full-on indiana jones um artifact hunting trying to steal them away from the cultists okay before you do that or your first one of your first missions that is your task to get this thing you suddenly get more information about it and you realize maybe you, mm-hmm. you're stealing it for the wrong people and then so this you're belongs having, in a museum. So or you would use the uh, this belongs in the pit, so the cultists can't get to it. So, so you could use something, uh, an organization like the Pinhill Foundation as the framing essentially, device. yeah, yeah. The, uh, in fact, maybe not that one. No, actually, that could <laughs> that, that could be a great thing. Like they they hire you as Egyptologists yeah. to get a thing that they need, and then you find out, oh no, the Pinhill Foundation is bad. Let's go contact <laughs> the people. At the and then that's when you can possibly get in contact yeah. with the Ithian yeah. or another uh, alternative yeah. organization or like Lamplighters. Yeah, yeah, some somebody who would say all well, right that's when Jackson Elias shows up and so you mm-hmm. so you reframe it so that's interesting that, so rewriting yeah, that the plot. could work really great um, so that could be a prequel cool adventure and that leads into that and they're like let's meet in New York yeah I got a hotel room and then you can just begin Oops. off from that yeah. And- murder yeah uh, so that's a really cool way of uh, reframing it uh, Sean what about- I've actually thought about this a lot and I actually have two ways of doing it <laughs> okay like one would be Bill's similar cop out because I don't feel like trail or call I've looked at the skills they give you feel very Eurocentric, so it doesn't seem oh, to yeah. fit for globe trotting. It fits in Europe or the, the yeah. Eastern United mm-hmm. States better. And so, Probably if I'm going to, if thing, you're going to stick in the 1920s, I would just scrap the whole campaign, 
grab your Yithian angle and run with it at the Locarno conference and the buildup on either side, the buildup and the fallout from it. It would be glorious with the Yithians trying to mess with that. It would, but I don't want to give too much away because I may eventually run that and maybe I'll do it with you guys when I come. Okay, back. so that, your first idea is to make a new campaign based on the same idea. Stealing your Yithian yeah. thing. Okay. So um, nothing from masks at all. Nothing from masks at all. Just from wrong. Well, the only Sean, thing that's getting from... Can I get from... you a napkin because your nose is kind of looking a little... Uh, yeah. There's some brown on there. Uh, <laughs> well, the only thing it would take from, from masks at that point would be the 1920s. Because yeah. I actually do not feel like this campaign belongs in the 1920s. If I was going to run it, I would retool it and set it in the late night... The, late 1890s into 1900s, early 1900s, and culminate it in the Boxer Rebellion instead. And so... <laughs> that is actually okay. pretty interesting. I think, it would, like that. I think yeah. it would work much better because they completely ignore all of the sociopolitical developments that occur in the 1920s. So what's the point of even having it in the 1920s? You might as well run it earlier because they're not taking into account things like the Great War as much. That's mostly player-driven when it comes in. They don't take into account the League of Nations. You could play that up as a conspiracy, but they don't. Um, there's so many things from the 20s that they just don't even consider. But uh, yeah. the, the late 1890s, early 1900s, culminating in the Boxer Rebellion with this, since Egyptology is already a thing, I know people think of it from the interwar period, but it's but been it was going on for decades. Yeah. In fact, the height is around the turn Go of the century. Yep. And so then you can, you can tie in so much more, and so that's what I'd probably do with it, okay. is either I'd scrap it completely and run with the 1920s <laughs> angle, or I'd keep the campaign and yeah. scrap the 1920s angle and go with the turn of the century. There, there is a like supplement. Both, but especially uh, the 1890s. There is yeah. a Cthulhu supplement. Call it Cthulhu supplement. Call it Cthulhu by Gaslight, which is 1890s. Um, and I think the main reason that they set this in the 20s is, one, that was what the main game line was set right. in, uh, so everything had to be Which there. makes sense because it's Lovecraft. Yeah. Like, it does make sense since most of his work is generated in the interwar period, and he does have that vibe but right. I don't feel like this campaign. Well, I think the thing was that they wanted to have a race against time and have it globe trotting. And I think the 1920s is sort of the earliest period where you could get around the world in less than a year. There's a man no. named Jules Verne who would yeah. like to have a conversation well, with you. Like, you can get around, yeah. at the turn of the century, you can get around the world in a year or less. It okay. is entirely possible. Well, but maybe, again, these are going to, like, you know, the planes and, you know. Okay, you couldn't have planes, but how often did we use planes? Once. Well, we should have done it more because that always worked better than the stupid docks. Yeah. But we did it once. Yeah. So uh, nobody yeah. waits at you for the, in the air, at the airport in the night. Well, in one case that could actually if you're at all. Yeah. Well, in one case that could right. probably work easily though, if you're wanting to do that, is just separate the pieces out into into specific arcs. Yeah. And then when you're getting to the next one, you can just say it's three to five months later when you're on another land, on another continent. So yeah. yeah, but like the turn of the century thing could still totally work if you want to do the tie-in that you did with the movies. Because guess yeah. what? That's already a thing at the turn yeah. of the century, too. So <laughs> most of this stuff, I feel like the 1920s conceit is sort of forced the way it's written. Okay. Um, so. But if you're going to write a huge campaign, like I can see it from a business decision, they wouldn't publish a 
you know, 200 page right. behemoth to go with their, you know, second tier product. Well, there are interviews in the Mass Companion with the creators of it, and they can explain more in there. So I won't, I won't, so get the Mass Companion, basic. That's sort of the big lesson for this. Get that, get that book if you want to run this campaign. Buy this book that Ross didn't write, but he still really likes. I, I do like that. I did talk to the guy who, who was the editor. He's not getting any money for uh, plugging I'm not. No, he's just doing it on the purpose of his So, Anne, if you had some time to think about that. This uh, cold, cold yeah. heart. Um, I think I guess my main thing was it's just there's too much all over the place. So okay. I think I just have to pick either like just the Carlisle or just one of the cults. Okay. And focus in on that. Kind of like how Bill said, like one region. Yeah. Because I'm like, wait a minute, we like did something with like gangs in China and then we ended up doing like people in Hollywood. <laughs> Alright, well those, those two adventures are not in the campaign. Those are the pre- prequels. Uh, that is that is fair. Um, I just had those so you guys would actually already be investigating cults before you just like, I don't want to use Star Life. Dude, you all know is murdered in New York. You must travel the world to evict <laughs> No matter what, uh, it's not. It's a little thin yeah. uh, motivation. Uh, well, and like, especially in the twenties, like, Nirlathotep kind of has an old world kind of feeling. Yeah, you know, to where, with kind of going with an Amer- with a American setup for most of us. I suppose your first character wasn't, and neither was Melissa's. But even so, like, uh, it just feels weird, like. Yeah, either we're going to start with, you know, the sort of things you started with or, yeah. you know, Hooray Yig Cult or, yeah. you know, Ithaca or something. Well, and, there's a campaign for Ithaca. Well, yeah. out of print and I can't yeah. afford it because uh, it's like $200 now. Uh, <laughs> walk I mean, place, but yeah. I, I guess apart from setting it backwards, the other really interesting thing I could think of would be what would it be like to set it forward Oh, you yeah. know, bring it forward Indiana in time. No, even further. Like I'm talking like yeah. Delta Green era. Yeah. You know, I, what what is the overlap of the Venn diagram for Masks of Nirlathotep and Stephen Aziz? You could you could make the Maoist revolt, Pol Pot, all of that as part of cultist stuff mm-hmm. and work that in. Oh yeah, it's set it in the air now. I mean, Shanghai certainly could uh, house uh, dangerous cults. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all those cities. Um, yeah, yeah. It yeah, it could. I think some. I've I've heard some people talk about or read some of that a little bit on the internet, but that would be a really interesting take on it. You have to do a lot of work. Yeah, uh, but I think it would be very rewarding. Or certainly, if you want to set it even further in the future. No, no. Uh, but if well, if, even further future, <laughs> taking <laughs> Master Nerolatep in twenty ninety nine. Tech. Yeah. What? No, no, nothing. <laughs> Cthulhu, nobody allowed is allowed to play Cthulhu Tech. So, uh, uh, but no, I was talking about if taking it even further. Like uh, I was thinking because you mentioned the Delta Green angle, um, play it up with uh, what was the name of the Russian Smirsh? Is that what its name called? Uh, are you talking about in, in the, Delta Green? The, the Russian uh, GRU is something else entirely. Yeah, Smirsh is the Bond one. Um, the it's GRU eight, I think. GRU eight. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, a fictional cell of anti-Cthulhu uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. Russian within the GRU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like Section eight or something. Like that. Oh know, boy! But, but Countdown mentioned wow. Smirch, I think, yeah. but I, I could be wrong. But in any case, I can tell you right But they're uh, but saying that they got a hold of something, experimented sure. with it wrong, and hello, Chernobyl goes up as a cover. We're in the yeah. near future. I think we're now we're just speculating Russia. about ideas of campaigns we'd like. Yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> Which was the last episode of. After hours, yeah, yeah. So, still, uh, it was fun. 
Uh, I won't deny it. So um, I think we've kind of covered everything a little bit. Uh, I mean, yeah. as much as you can. Um, are there? But are there any other final words you, you'd like to have? So I'll start this time with Sean. So uh, <laughs> for the campaign, uh, the, in terms of playing it, uh, thinking through it, uh, talking about. It. I make no apologies for Killjoy whatsoever. <laughs> I love that character. I stand by him. Any apologies for the cone snail? <laughs> no. no, none for that either. That was very brave of you to reach out like that. <laughs> you should have known what the answer you was. See your hand be. smacked away completely. But on the yeah. whole, I think we were very proactive, and I very much appreciate that when I do RPG stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have a group that works together instead of people that just go off and do their own thing and have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys did work as a team, believe it or not, and you did a good. You, no, uh, you, we, we no. really did. Yeah, a lot. And you worked, and you rolled up a lot of bad guys that way. So that yep. was, it worked. Uh, more ambushes and warehouses. Uh, <laughs> that that was pretty good. Uh, Fewer dogs. See the warehouses of the world. Yeah, there were a and lot the cultists within. Yeah, uh, Aaron, any comments? Uh, no, I just thank you for letting me join you for at least the latter half of it because yeah. um, I had always heard about Masks. It's yeah. one of those kind of perennial games that everybody else talked about, but I never got a chance to play in full, mainly because it it's a long game. It's a long haul. It takes forever and to get now through. you can never in good faith play the first half. Ha ha ha. I can play the first half. You can. Half. I just kill off his character when he gets to Kenya. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, you're done. That's that how you close the loop. So... <laughs> That's a good one. Um, get ants. Yeah. No, but I no, I actually loved all the interaction with everybody <laughs> on there. Uh, I will say, yeah, the only one I didn't, sorry, Bill, was I was not touching that goddamn rock. <laughs> so, like, that's fine. We chose, we chose to spend those Except points for those differently. Poor, Except for those well, poor dogs. I, I like you have a strong up. feeling about that. Well, so. I, I'll, I'll do the quick reasoning for that, too. In, for those of you who, uh, who have listened to... Um, the first divine fire. I walked into a nuclear reactor that was powered by a pinhole uh, opened in Azathoth's realm. Realm. I became a horrible Shoggoth monster afterwards. I, was, I knew it was metagaming. I'm not making that same mistake twice. So, even though that was just that was just uranium, and I would have gotten sick. Choices were made. All right. Uh, you still spent the points to do the other thing we needed to get done. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. You're a team player for your own definition of team player. So, <laughs> Melissa, any final thoughts? Uh, and Sumon. Oh, so the one thing that I do want to say was that I was having fun, but the moment that I was really hooked was when I got to ride the horse and kill the giant flying monster. Oh, the hunting horror? Yeah. Yeah, the hunting horror. <laughs> oh, and Suddenly, no, no, I was having a no, lot of No, no, this was all the way back in New York. Oh, yeah, really? Like okay. way, way back at the beginning. Okay. Because I had one random point of riding. <laughs> and I regretted it. I'm like, this is, I'm never going to use it. I'm never going to use it. And then I used it in the most wonderful way, and I thought that was really Oh, fun. yeah, that was what I did Kool-Aid, man, with the truck. Yeah, no, that <laughs> oh, that was an Eric Carlos. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, in as much as, as Killjoy antics frequently yeah. maybe weren't the best choice, <laughs> that, that was that one time really it worked. really worked out. Like, that that whole scene was we were yeah. all scattered. Like, none of us were together, but all yeah. of us got to do some random really cool thing. Yeah. And I, like, after that, I thought, that was really fun. Right. I was pleased with that. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah, no, this, I think this was a successful campaign because there's so many uh, scenes like that. Yeah. Like, which one was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that was one. Uh, horse. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, I did 
like the criticisms I've levied here notwithstanding, yeah. I really enjoyed the crap out of this uh, for all the reasons that I've also cited here. And also for the one that like I came into this like having one, not played a lot of investigative games and a lot of like super planning heavy on the yeah. sort of more strategic level. And like listening to stuff like Tribes of Tokyo, you know, No Evil from the various sides, I was like, I'm really not sure how these guys, like, how do you learn how to do that? Because, uh, like, I'm that weird kind of autodidactic where I can't ever imagine myself doing something until I'm doing it. I feel like Masks has taught me a lot about the basics of, you know, kind of. Tradecraft, yeah. yeah, tradecrafty, project planning, you know. <laughs> Here's how to not fuck If you have up. five cultists in a warehouse and you have three investigators <laughs> outside, how many cultists can you kill uh, without calling mm -hmm. the police? Well, uh, what are my other assets? Yeah. Oh, I have a plank and two rubber bands? Excellent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or near the end, a lightning gun. Yeah. Fine. Well, yeah. Uh, very good. That was when shit, shit got real. Yeah, shit did. Well, you guys really used up all those lightning guns. Uh, you, I love lightning guns. You didn't yeah. give us extra points, but we had guns. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so finally, Anne, any final thoughts um, on Mass? Well, I never really liked it. It took me a while, I think, to get into it in this system since mm -hmm. the first I was familiar with D&D &D, and yeah. it was really tough for me to spend points like that drove me crazy I'm like I can run out of points this is not cool <laughs> so I like didn't want to spend them I wanted to save them um but once I got used to the system I really enjoy it now and one of my favorite things actually about RPGs is the cooperative nature and that yeah. you're like all a team so I feel like this group like Sean said um, really worked together well as a team yeah. so yeah. I really enjoyed we rarely went off script yeah, yeah. we were yeah. Mostly on the same page, and we did cool things together to kind of <laughs> <laughs> back each other up. Let's not worry well off. Anne and I were always really <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. I had one more memory, but if Anne, okay. you got more? No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> so, in case listeners were curious, Belumco did have a plan for the warhead. Okay. <laughs> so, I was going to play it up that the Yithians were planning to drop the warhead in the frickin' painting that Ross got me stuck in. And leave did that. Did you guys burn that? Leave. No. Okay. No. We no, sent it somewhere. No, that didn't catch on fire. Yeah. No. <laughs> we don't, I don't remember where the painting went. Maybe I think we oh, gave it to the Yithians. Serpent man yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. What I wanted to do was say that the Yithians had ordered me to get the warhead, <laughs> and they were going to drop it in there, and then I was going to have the stupid lizard go, oh, what's this for? Brushing your teeth? Boom! <laughs> okay, you might want to let the Game Master know about what the NPCs are supposed to be doing. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was the end of the game. He has truly absorbed Caleb's wisdom and was not going to tell you a word of that. Yeah. Was <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and just so you know, and that whole thing about anxiety about spending points. I've talked to the guy who made the system, Robin Laws at Gen Con, and he said, I, I brought that up because oh. you're not the other. And he's like, no, yeah, you're supposed to. That's, that's how it's supposed, supposed to. You're supposed to feel anxious. About yeah, it. yeah, you're supposed to feel like uncertain. Is that supposed to stall you so you're actually stopping? Yeah, to think about what you're doing. It's, just I mean, acting. it's meant for a horror game. It was first designed for a, as a horror game. So, like, you know, you're supposed to feel some like uh, trepidation when you're <laughs> spending those points. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, my final thoughts. I'm, I'm really glad I got to finish this and uh, run it. And, uh, we are that, and, uh, and that you all uh, uh, really got into it, that you guys really embraced it. Uh, and, um, I mean, it was a very... I, I know now not to know what to expect from players when a, a game or a campaign starts, but uh, I'm really... This is the best-case scenario. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, of all the things I have like been around for and yeah. seen you run, it took this one... For you to learn that? No, no, I've known that. Like, I just, I've, I've learned over the years to do this. Does he end every postmortem with yeah. that statement? Yeah. <laughs> should. Uh, I should. <laughs> so, but no, this was the best case here. I think this was, uh, uh, I hope everyone else out there really enjoys this, because as much fun as we had playing and running it. So, uh, this, uh, the world is safe for now, but uh, the crawling chaos comes. Uh, Hail Nyarlathotep. This has been our RBPR <laughs> episode whatever. Uh, the Mask of Nyarlathotep. Hester, Hester, Hester. Happy New Year. Let's say goodbye with a smile, dear. Just for a while, dear. We must part. Don't let this parting upset you. I'll not forget you, sweetheart. Again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through, just like you always do. Blue skies chase those dark clouds far away. And I will just say hello to the folks that you know. Tell them you won't be long. They'll be happy to know that as I saw you go, you were singing this We'll meet again Don't know where Don't know when But I know we'll meet again Some sunny
Some song. 